Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Okay, guys, quick disclaimer. Um, We just wanted to come on before we get into this episode and just um, say that we actually recorded all of this before we found out about the deathly shooting that happened in Texas today, but yesterday for everyone listening. Um, 19 people killed at an elementary school, 18 um, students and one teacher. And we just wanted to say that we will be talking about this next week. We also will have an interview with Mayor Licardo of San Jose where we talk about gun reform and the local measures he has taken around gun reform. So tune in next week to hear more about this and different action items and things you guys can do and get involved in and ask your representatives for at every single level, local, state, and federal. Um, And follow us on social media. We'll be sharing updates and action items on this story and on this issue every day and we also have an action item you guys can take right now because you can text checks c-h-e-c-k-s to six four hyphen three three to tell your senators to take action on background checks welcome to girl on the gov the podcast breaking down politics as we know it and removing all the bullshit <laughs> because politics needed a rebrand <laughs> Hey, we are back. We are back, baby. Welcome back to Girl on the Go, the podcast. Happy Wednesday. Happy birthday, you mean, to yourself. Stop it. Happy birthday to I'm me. too toned up for that. I'm too toned up. But yeah, me too. What are your thoughts and feelings on this birthday? Like, birthday. Do you have some takeaways? Yeah, I have some things to say. Um, ooh, ooh. About my actual birthday itself, I'm like, 26 is just, it, it hits a little different only because it's like such an insignificant birthday, but at the same time, you're like, oh my God, I'm on the downhill to 30. Like, that's crazy. That's just crazy. Welcome aboard. <laughs> yeah. But I also like, I think for the first year, maybe in my life, I was like, I genuinely don't need much this birthday I like usually like oh, fuck, how can I squeeze as much attention out of this <laughs> day as possible and I'm just like this is the first year I've been like dinner with friends dinner with family that's all I didn't even have a birthday list my mom was shook those are my thoughts there but I was gonna give like a little bit of a b-day wish list only for Ooh. the girl on the gov listeners I didn't have like a you know material mm. item gift list but I do have one for our listeners, if if you know, they would. I fucking they would love participate. this. I don't know. Guys. I hope you guys would like to participate in this. My B-Day wish is as follows. Now I just think, first of all, if everyone could just go subscribe on YouTube, even if you don't mm. watch YouTube, even if you don't plan to listen to the show 
on YouTube, if you could just go subscribe, it really helps us and helps us find more and more people, which again, ultimately just contributes to your political impact in a crucial election year. So look at that. There's an action That's item. That's an equation. That's a math and, equation I can get behind. And okay. it's a birthday gift. Continue. Like, what's, what could be better? But also just something we always literally say is just continue to share Girl on the Gap with your friends. And I'm thinking if everyone could just send this podcast or just tell five friends about Girl on the Gov be like, hey, guys, this is an election year. Everyone needs to vote. And guess what? I have an amazing resource for you guys, Girl on the Gov. They make politics really easy to understand for young young chicks like us. You should go listen. Here's the link. Five, or if everyone sends it to five people, that is also a B-Day wish list. I think we can reach thousands of more people and ultimately literally save this country from just disaster. Because that's disaster. how it's feeling at this moment. <laughs> it's not feeling too bright and hopeful, but I think we can turn it around if we get more people involved. So I think this is a good way to do that get more people learning get more people active and there we go that's my that's my 26th birthday wish list that's all i need those two things Um, subscribe on youtube tell five friends go right now (laughs) you can pause this come back maybe okay well i'm obsessed with this birthday wish list scenario this is great i honestly think the only thing well not the only thing but one thing that could just be like added If everyone would also throw us a little rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, (gasps) love, 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 love. Although we've gotten some really fun ones recently. I was going to say, while you're at it, just go look at the funny ass like one stars we've gotten from conservatives. We were told to go touch grass and shoot guns, actually. So we got called libtards. Oh, yeah, that was a whole game. A brunch of liberals. That one has to go on some of our no, merch. No, that's like, going to be merch. That one is so good. Brunch of liberal. That's literally what we are, though. <laughs> it's, not, it's not wrong. <laughs> we do love brunch, and we are liberals. <laughs> yeah, and we literally talk also, about how we're trying to make politics a brunch conversation. So it's just they know our brand, you know? They do. You know, they, they're getting it but not getting it. It's such an interesting close but no cigar, which, hey. I, you know, you can't get them all. But I can tell you that by touching grass, I am still a liberal. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't work. Yep, yep. Uh, no, I know. In fact, it kind of made me more liberal. <laughs> made it, me want to save it did. the planet really, somewhere, you know? <laughs> right? I was like, oh, can you imagine what duress this grass is under in these 90-degree conditions that are not supposed to be happening on such a good point, May Sarah. something something. So, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, just along these lines of more things we're just asking of you guys. Go comment on YouTube, too. Ask us your questions there as well if you have political questions about anything, but especially specific episodes. YouTube is a great place to do that just while you're watching. Just shoot your questions in live time. Well, not really live time, but whatever. Live time. Well, that's a new phrase. (gasps) I made... I made another phrase happen. Oh, boy. Let's hear it. Gretchen Wiener is back at it. (laughs) Like, you know what? Just just trying to be consistent in everyone's life here. So I was talking to one of my friends about, like, just general, like, business benchmarks. And I was like, yeah, well, you have to, like, be, like, you know, cognizant in a conversation about, like, every time they try and move – this is the phrase I was going for – try and move the goalpost. And you know what I said instead of goalpost? God. Every time they move the totem pole. 
<laughs> I can't with you. <laughs> like, I, she looked at me and she was like, and I was like, that wasn't right, was it? And she was like, no. no. Like, no. hard no. And, like, I, and then I was like, could not figure it out for, like, a good five to ten minutes. And then, boom, it just came it came over me and I was like, goalpost. 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 So. Goalpost. Yeah. Um, well, you know how I feel about the phrases. Um, the yeah. So we'll just, we don't need to reiterate. It's honestly like a segment for us at this point. No, totally. I mean, I don't think there's been one episode where we haven't talked about it. So. <laughs> Anyways, but now that I've taken guys... this entire birthday conversation to become a, a conversation about me, <laughs> classic. And I'll probably be doing the same on your birthday. So, <laughs> but just a reminder, you guys, uh, birthday list, if you haven't done it yet, go subscribe on YouTube like right now, and it takes two seconds. You just press a button, literally. And also, like YouTube, you don't have to have an account; just associate with your Gmail. So. Don't, that's also not an excuse. <laughs> Tell five friends. I think that's like a super impactful thing to do, actually. Like, even yeah. no jokes right now. It's really impactful to do that just because I think people are starting to kind of wake up to like, oh, my God, it's election year. Oh, my God, there's scary news out there. How can I get involved? And I think like just sharing resources is super impactful. So share share girl on the gut. Do it for, totally. do it for my 26. Like today, as we're recording this, big election day, big primary day. We've got yes. Georgia, we've got Alabama, we've got Arkansas, we've got Texas. We'll talking we'll about runoff. We also have Minnesota has mm-hmm. a special election primary. And I do happen to have two friends that live in Minnesota. And then one of my other best friends has a family. He's like from, oh my God, I'm totally throwing them under the bus. Whatever. <laughs> family. That lives there. And so I was texting him. I was like, hey, 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 like, OMG, like, election day. Like, if anyone gets a sticker, love to see a pic, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, mm-hmm. I won't say which one of the the pairings that I just described and threw under the bus. But one of them was like, wait, there's an election, basically. And uh, both yeah. of them are really civically engaged. So, like, I was really shocked. But it that sometimes, unfortunately, happens with special elections. You know, they're off cycle. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of, like, don't think about them. Well, they are confusing. They're confusing, for sure, but gives even more reason to stay on the lookout, be engaged, looking at, you know, what's coming down the pipeline, follow accounts like ours. And then for New York, for example, there's NYC votes. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that gives a lot of information at your fingertips to be able to check out. So I'm really going on a tangent. No, it's a great tangent. It's a very important one. And yeah, if you are in Minnesota, Georgia, Texas, Alabama, et cetera, who are having primaries this week, send us pictures of your voting sticker. Also, that's another weekday wish list. We want to just, you know, show everyone who is getting out there and voting. So yes. And then we will also, um, in the top stories, be running through everything to look out for in these primaries this week. And some also like tea that happened from last week too. So just stay tuned for that. But we also have an amazing guest. Uh, yeah, wait, hold on. I have one shout out. Shout out. Um, AK, speaking of these primaries, just a really amazing shout out to Are our brand ambassador. Outside? The screen's here. Oh, I thought you were. Kind of. <laughs> oh, yes, to our brand ambassador. Mm-hmm. Who is amazing and sent through her voting sticker. Yes. So go check that out on our Girl on the Gov IG feed. Maybe Thank you, Layla. <gasps> Right, 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 right. So basically, this is a big hint too to go sign up for our brand ambassador program. Yes. Link is 
on our website. We'll set a little call. We'll chat through all the deets. But we love our brand ambassadors. And actually, I don't know if I can say that. I will hold on my next comment. But regardless, brand ambassador program, lots of networking opportunities that have very fruitful outcomes. Yes. Is that big enough? Oh, I know what you're alluding to. Yeah, we have had some amazing networking opportunities that are you know, becoming fruitful for sure for our brand ambassadors. So go check it out. And you can go to girlonthegup.com and go to our brand ambassador page to learn more. It's also linked in this episode description. So go check it out. There's no requirements, just like more political learning, a political community. And again, some political networking opportunities if you're interested in like working or being more involved in the space. So go check it out. Also, just before we get into our guests, a little literal last thing. If you guys want some really good wines, you can get some Wink Wines. It's linked in this episode description. It's four bottles for $29.95. They're delivered right to your door. And they're delicious. They're cute. They have cute branding. And just go get them. $29.95. It's literally Uh, so cheap. Four bottles. Incredible. Go get them. And now Summer Water is live as well. Oh, my God. Yes. Summer Water, you guys. You rosé gals. Go get your Mm rosé. They have it. And Summer Water is literally so good. I like rosé, but, like, like I'm not, like, the biggest stan. But, like, I... You're more of a red wine girl. Yeah. I'm a red wine girl, but, like, Summer Water really is it. And it is it for the summer. So go get yours at Wink. And the Wink in our episode (laughs) description. The Wink in our episode (laughs) description. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god oh my god i also still can't believe forever and always that it took me like maybe 10 times of you doing that for me to get that you were saying wink like as in like yeah anyway it is funny and i punny no, and punny. i love it, <laughs> no, it really- <laughs> okay let's get into our guest because i'm obsessed with her and i can't wait till we go to dc so that we can like hang out all the time because i, I li- like <sighs> there are certain people we interview where I'm like, oh it my god, works. right? It like, I because like love everyone we interview a thousand. Like, like we always say, try and pick a favorite episode, like a favorite child. Like, it doesn't work. But there's certain people you're like BFF. Like, I'll see you at the tattoo parlor. Like, we're getting matching tattoos, and oh my that is how I feel about Shannon. Yeah, she's amazing. It just except for me, I don't have any tattoos. So. Sorry, guys. Okay, but anyways, that aside, our conversation is talking about equal pay, the wage gap, the online years there. This might sound familiar, and so might Shannon, because we did a really awesome IG Live with her earlier this spring. So if you're looking for a short little bit on it, we do have that on our IGTV and Girl on the Gov, the podcast account. So you can go check that out. That's also shareable, obviously, da-da-da-da-da. But this conversation is the in-depth part one of many conversations we'll be having with Shannon about equal pay wage gap where that needs to go and all of that jazz she is the director of equal pay today which is a campaign at the era so you're gonna want to check that out and we talk about exactly why that's the case throughout the episode so i'm gonna stop dropping hints and just tell you to go listen to the episode and this interview right now aka let's slide in i'm out of breath but without further ado here's shannon Well, we cannot be more excited to have you back on. We had you on our IG Live. We started going through Equal Pay Day, getting sort of the 411 there. And we want to like dive even further. So for anyone that wasn't able to join the IG Live or hasn't checked out you know, our short and sweet edition, can you give us an idea of what your day-to-day looks like? You know, What does your job at the ERA look like? 
Yeah, so I am the director of our Equal Pay Today campaign. Um, so I run our coalition there, but I also help to run some of our national partnerships um, through our Women's Agenda Initiative work and then all of like the campaigns and stuff that fall um, under there, which is a bunch. I'm sure we'll talk about them throughout the throughout the day. But yeah, run a lot of our advocacy campaigns, a lot of our policy and advocacy campaigns, and then a lot of our um, community mobilization and kind of like on the ground grassroots. Um, epic. And just to like run it back like one little step, like what does the organization itself overarchingly do? You know, is there a, a mission statement in a sense, but like, you know, maybe not in like a snore way, but you know. <laughs> <what I> mean. <laughs> yeah. So Equal Rights Advocates has been around for a while now, um, over 45 years. And it's an organization that's really just dedicated to advancing and mostly protecting the rights of women and girls that are most impacted by gender and racial and economic inequities. And again, we've been doing this for over four decades. Not me, of course. Wow. No, basically it's <laughs> over for um for over four decades now. So yeah. yeah. Amazing. We also manage the women's agenda initiative. Can you give us the run through on what that is, what the goal is? Give us the whole four one one. Yeah, so it's a really great project. And the Women's Agenda Initiative covers kind of the work in like all of the campaigns that are really focused on achieving quality and equity and opportunity for all and just really developing a women's agenda for gender and racial and economic justice. So this initiative through our campaigns and all of the campaigns that fall within it, like our work on equal pay, our Stop Harassment State Network, our work with essential women workers, and our New American Majority Family Security Initiative. All of these really work to advance goals to accomplish things like restoring worker power, increasing employer accountability, expanding access to justice, ensuring that all are covered by legal protections, and just promoting like the prevention strategies that really help to drive uh, effective change. Love that. I cover so many bases. Yeah. I do you like what's your like strategy in your day to day? Do you are you a to do list person? Like how do you stay organized? Because that's a, a lot of stuff to keep track of. Yeah. So since Target is my happy place, I buy a lot of post-its. <laughs> I have a lot of post-its, a lot of whiteboards, do a lot of whiteboarding. But yeah, to-do lists, campaign plans that I just, you know, check off, all of those fun things, Excel sheets, you know, mm. the, the boring, the boring sheets that keep you organized. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I need uh, a whiteboard. No, I feel that. I was going to say, we yeah. we have one whiteboard in our, like, I would say, I don't know, like, picture inventory. What is that even called? Like a... Props. A prop. It's a prop. Oh, my God. That was killing me. A prop closet, basically. And it, <laughs> but it has, like, the days of the week on it. It's obviously a Target purchase as well. Which, it, like, works for when we're, like, organizing something. Like, okay, like, what's an action item that you would do on a Wednesday or a Thursday or whatever? But we don't have a plain one. And this just feels like a great opportunity. So... I'll be doing a, a little shopping one. trip after this. Yeah, uh, right. Never need a reason to go to Target, but since you have one now, go there, get <laughs> a plain like white board. It'll reason. change your life. <laughs> there's always a reason to go to Target. I feel like, and you can always uh, find are... something. And low key, Staples kind of dangerous too. Like I have gotten myself into some serious Staples trouble. I have Back found to school that shopping out was too. like my favorite thing to do. I like getting all my pens and all my folders and getting organized. Fantastic, fantastic time. I love uh, a freshly sharpened pencil and like a newly <laughs> opened notebook. Yes. Wait, speaking of which, sorry, I'm taking this on a random tangent. So I was at this um, party, pregame, whatever we want to call it on Friday. And it was like, it's this uh, thing. I've seen it on TikTok as well. And then I ended up invited to this. I was like, oh, it's funny. This is actually reality. But it was like the thing where you like do like a presentation on a topic to all of your friends, like called Think and Drink. And one of them was a former, or one of the people at the party was like a former teacher. 
And she had us like do like a whole like mini lesson plan on the specific thing. And she brought like Ticonderoga freshly sharpened pencils. And it was like such a weird random like trip down memory lane where I was like, oh my God, this feels like first day of school. Have your sharpened pencils. Like no, get me a pencil really case. And I like unlock memories. You oh my the God. fact that yeah. you said Ticonderoga pencils. I know. I was like, like, oh my gosh, I can see the pencil. <laughs> right? I can smell it. <laughs> they got some good branding going on. What can I say? <laughs> but moving past pencils, as much as I could like really talk about pencils, calligraphy, pens, and all that stuff all day, let me tell you. We do want to talk about the Equal Pay Today campaign specifically. And I know we touched on it a little bit, but can you give everyone the run through as to what like maybe the number one and two goals of that campaign are? Yeah, so the Equal Pay Today campaign was launched on the 50th anniversary of the signing of the Federal Equal Pay Act. And the coalition consists of both national and state-based organizations that are all across the country who are just really dedicated to challenging the legal and policy and cultural barriers at the local, state, and national level that just keep women from achieving equal pay and being paid fully. Mm -hmm. Well, let's get into the issue at hand and dive into everything we need to know about it. We're going to start with our I Have a Stupid Question segment. And really kick it off with the big one, which is what is the wage gap? Yeah. And none of these are stupid questions. Yes. <laughs> true, so, true, true. <laughs> so all great questions. But the gender pay gap refers to the sizable difference in income between the average woman and the average man in our country. So um, this wage gap exists across nearly every profession. And then it even takes into account years of experience and also years in level of education as well. Wow. So yeah. to sort of bring that to, you know, point of reference, you guys celebrate equal, not celebrate, mark, shall I say, <laughs> equal pay I day. Like yes. It's like, yeah, wait, that's the wrong word. But regardless, <laughs> marking equal pay day, what does that symbolize, A, and also is there more than one equal pay day, like throughout the year? Yeah, so Equal Pay Day is the day in the year that we highlight as a coalition and kind of as a country, right? That in the U.S., the average woman working full-time year-round only this year is 83 cents per dollar paid to the average man. So that's the day that we kind of amplify and mark and observe that message. And then we do observe more than one Equal Pay Day. I really want to get into telling you why. So we know uh, that there's a wage gap that's experienced by all women. I mean, so we observe Equal Pay Day, of course. But for women of color who sit at the intersection of gender and race discrimination, the wage gap numbers get much worse. And because of this, we really want to bring light to this. I'm going to show just how far into the year that they would have had to work to catch up. And I really want to use the term like catch up loosely because nobody's really catching up. But yeah. for the purposes of this conversation, this is when they catch up. And so we observe different demographic equal pay days throughout the year. But this year, along with our, and then I want to just give a little special raise the roof shout out to our partners yes. at Justice for Margaret Women and our partners at NAPA, who really helps lay the groundwork around these conversations. Um, but we're going just like one step further into being even more inclusive and putting forward new statistics um, that include income and data for workers that are typically excluded from the equal pay calculations from these conversations. So like seasonal workers, part-time workers, freelance workers, gig workers, migrant workers, because for far too long, they really just hadn't been a part of this conversation and they've been included from the equal pay data. But we're going to end that now. So with this all-inclusive workers methodology, we're able to kind of calculate like where the different demographics of women fall in terms of how much they earn based to or compared to a non 
um, white Hispanic man. So we're seeing that Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander women are earning just 75 cents for every dollar paid to a white non-Hispanic man. Black women are earning 58 cents for every dollar paid out to a white non-Hispanic. Native American women are earning just 50 cents. Um, and Latinas are earning 49 cents to every dollar that's paid out yeah. to a white Hispanic man, to a white non-Hispanic man, sorry. So beyond March 15th, which is when we did observe Equal Pay Day this year, we have a calendar of those Equal Pay Days that reflect the larger wage gap that's experienced by the women of color and where it places them throughout the year. So we just observed Asian American, Native Hawaiian, Pacific Islander Women's Equal Pay Day on May 3rd. So just a few weeks ago, we'll observe Black Women's Equal Pay Day on September 21st. Well, Native Women's Equal Pay Day will be observed on November 30th. And uh, we won't observe Latina Women's Equal Pay Day or Latina's Equal Pay Day until December 8th. And then in the last few years, we've uh, started to add some demographics that we know experience a wage gap, but that we just don't have enough data for and want to amplify the message around why we need this data. And so on June 15th, we'll be observing LGBTQI plus equal pay awareness day. So mm -hmm. calendar of events. Calendar Literally, <laughs> I, I was going to say, yeah. maybe that whiteboard we do have with the days is perfect for this. Yeah, we might need to keep that one around for sure. It's all on my whiteboard. Yeah, yes. Wow. Well, to bring us home with our last I have a question is, what is occupational segregation? How's that playing? Yeah, so I'm glad you asked that because it's kind of impossible to talk about the wage gap without discussing occupational segregation and then the lack of respect for women's work. So occupational segregation refers to the fact that women are disproportionately segregated into the lowest paying fields of our country. And even within most industries, there's usually an uneven distribution of women in the lower paying jobs than men at a particular company or anything like that. So I guess like a clearer way of saying this is basically that fields that are traditionally dominated by women are undervalued. And so they're basically deliberately underpaid. And so like, I mean, teachers are super important. I wouldn't want that job. <laughs> so <laughs> teachers get the gold medal of honor yeah. for me. And they have one of the most important roles in our society, but we severely underpay them. And right. it's not really a coincidence that the majority of teachers are women, right? We also severely pay, underpay women in the service industry as well. And then also in other places like retail and childcare work and domestic work and like the list goes on. So, you know, Nurses. we can't function without these women in these jobs. And it should be paid accordingly. I think now the pandemic yeah. has showed us, shown us it, it's time. It's, yeah, 100%. Totally. And it's not even, it's not funny, but like I constantly, you know, we've all constantly sort of seen this, you know, whether it's teachers or other industries where, you know, basically women's work is like not respected. And my past job was working in PR and I always like had this like, constant like trying to figure out okay well like where's the cap on like what I what's my salary cap of in this industry and it was like so low like so low for the amount of work that you were constantly like putting in and part of that dynamic was that the clients often were men or men were the top of the company that were hiring the outside vendors aka the agency and then the people doing the work or, or owners of the PR firms were women and the men never respected PR, never respected marketing, never respected advertising. And part of that like reasoning was because it was led by women. And it was this like very interesting, like like very shadowed misogyny. But yeah. that was like so part of it. And like we would have clients that were forever clients that clearly over the years we were doing amazing work for. And no matter what, they wouldn't value increasing their retainer. Like they didn't understand or, well, they did understand, but right, you know, right. they, got they it. were not, <laughs> oh, totally. And they knew how to totally abuse that system and what's sort of set in place with this like societal norm that should absolutely not be a norm. And so I, I just like always feel like I've, 
had like interesting conversations with other people in PR too, especially where I was like, this is why, like, we're always going to cap out at this until this changes across this whole system and, you know, make change across. But anyways, that's my rant on it. I'm glad I can just like insert that in here, but. Nope, good right. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely applicable for sure. Yeah. I'm glad that career did something for me. But anyways, <laughs> give slight stories. But we do want to, you know, talk about what causes the wage gap in and of itself. And I think there's probably, from my standpoint, I'm guessing quite a few causes. But I'm curious to learn, you know, what the data shows, you know, your opinions on it. What have you sort of seen as some of these root causes? Yeah, so occupational segregation, which we talked about earlier, is definitely one of the causes of the wage gap, but also things like the minimum wage and then something we call the motherhood penalty also contribute to the wage gap as well. So with minimum wage, women make up, I think it's two thirds of minimum wage earners. So our country's unlivable minimum wage is a huge contributor to the wage gap. And the minimum wage has been stalled for, I think, 13 years now, but everything is going up. Gas, I don't know where you guys, how much gas is where you are, but it's like $5. It's like $7 in California. It's crazy. Yeah. Right. All that stuff is going up. Rent has increased. Necessities have increased. But the minimum wage has stayed exactly where it is. And if the minimum wage wage had actually kept up with inflation or like national inflation, it should be around like $24, I think, right now. So I think, you know, advocates are calling for $15, which is nothing compared to where it should be. And it really shouldn't be that much of a, a huge issue or a huge leap considering. But it should definitely be much higher. And then on the same topic of minimum wage, we need to end the sub-minimum wage, which is at like $2.13 federally. So that's just ridiculous. And then I have a silly like, question. Yeah. What is the sub-minimum wage? Yeah. So it's the wages that you, like your base wage that you make before tips. So, so like a Got server, okay. yeah, would make $2 as their, $2.13 as their base wage. And then they're relying on their tips to make up the rest. Got that's it. Insane. Wild. I will admit I haven't been a server because I'm a total klutz and would drop everything and be fired uh-huh. on day one. I went the camp counselor route. <laughs> I went camp which counselor is also route. scary. <laughs> right. I was like, that feels like a little like more room to be klutzy. Like, I mean, you have to make sure the kids. I'm don't very klutzy away, which... as well, but I was a server. I don't think I had too many spells. I'm impressed. Yeah. I'm very impressed. Good for you. Um, I'm very impressed by servers because it's oh, like that's a real I almost skill. Like, like I fainted cannot do the it. first night I I worked. I got like booked on the on like a Friday night, and I was like, "This is my first night." And I by the end was like at ten thousand steps, and I hadn't eaten dinner, and I was like on the verge of fainting. I was like, "This is this is hard work." Somebody help! Oh no, um, standing ovation for you because like you have to deal with people's attitude, oh, and like always be friendly, like oh. I don't know. I don't know if that's my life. Shout out to all of our servers out there. (laughs) Yes. Well, Um, sorry. Did you have? Oh, no. But Oh, um, no. You actually, there's more. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No. There's also something called the motherhood penalty. Um, And this basically just refers to the fact that when an employee decides to have a child, the career results are very, like, vastly different for men than they are for women. Um, so men usually see a promotion or an increase in pay when they become parents, mainly because there's like that outdated notion that they're the breadwinner and they have to provide for their family. So obviously they need more money, but the exact opposite happens for women. So our parental leave system is really not set up fairly and pretty much punishes women um, for deciding to have children. So most can experience setbacks in their careers. We see a decrease in mom's income over the next few years. After that, after they have their child, that's almost exactly proportionate to the increase in a dead, which is insane. <laughs> I did uh, not know that part exactly. that the men so, usually get increases. Wow. 
Yeah. Yes. So, you know, there's that stereotype that a woman's going to be distracted by their children in a way that men won't be. And then that can lead to damaging effects on a woman for the rest of her career. So, you know, rather than getting that like promotion or that pay raise that she would get if she was a man, she's kind of just like stagnant and stuck in her current position at salary. So she's really just set that where she could be excelling for just having a baby and populating the population. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. That's actually crazy. I did not know that, that piece of it, but wow. Well, did you have... Did you have some? I have a comment. Go I don't for know it. if I want to say it though. I'm iffy. But what I was going to, I guess, whatever. You know, I'll spell I'll spell the T. I'll keep it vague oh, though. But I have definitely been in rooms with actually other women that are in the C suite that have applied the same logic to hiring other women, which is really interesting. Like won't hire someone that is within range, like they just got married, a lot of times wouldn't hire them because they're worried that they were going to get pregnant in the next year or so and then go on maternity leave and then they'd have a hiring issue. And it always like totally flabbergasted me. Obviously, it's very junior when I was in the rooms with these conversations, not in a girl in the gut phase, but regardless, it's interesting how it like the misogyny bleeds over. It's not just the guys in this yeah. room or the ones that are handling this moment or strategy or approach or whatever we want to call it like it goes the other side too and it's like this whole thing just needs to be retaught and re-understood I think right and it goes I mean like you said it, it kind of goes both ways and that's unfortunate that that stereotype gets you know put into everybody's space yeah. but it's it's not a thing women have kids and they work my parent yeah. my mom worked <laughs> right and we're fine yeah totally and it's like always like the women that I've worked with that have children are like I I mean I don't know how they do because they are the most insane multitaskers like they can handle so much more than I've ever seen a guy handle if I had a penny for every time I saw or knew a guy that had like emotional breakdown over like they didn't get like an extra thing for the raise or someone was mean on a call to them I would be so rich. I mean, let me tell you, like, every billionaire would be running for the hills because I would be on their level with the funds at that point. I, I can't. I love yeah. it. I love it. Ugh. I mean, my mom friends, like, they can do five things at one time. Like, why would you not want somebody like that? Work? 100%. And why would you not pay them correctly? Well, most women, yeah, we, we are multitaskers. I can't even like brush my teeth without like getting something else done at the same time. Like I can't just stand there and brush my teeth. Like multiple things have to be <laughs> happening. The productivity is there for sure. But to continue on this conversation, next question is like, really, what are the industries that we see the wage gap kind of worse than others? Are there any where that's the case? Yeah. So really, unfortunately, the wage gap is kind of just experienced among all professions at all levels. I don't think there's anything worse or or best, if that could be a word here, but I think in all industries, we're finding that there is a wage gap that's experienced and that might be minimal or, you know, less than other industries, but it's pretty much across the board. Okay, so we got a lot of change, a lot of levels that needs to happen. A lot of stuff needs to happen. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which we will definitely get to some, like, action items and that stuff, too. Like, for anyone listening, don't worry. We're getting there. We're going to have some stuff for you all. But before we do, we want to talk about, like, another way to look at, you know, data and what's going on here. In the same vein, you know, with states and cities, like, are there any states and cities where this wage gap is so much worse than others where you're like, oh, my God, never move into that state or holy shit, we need to help the people in this state so much more? What does that look like? Yeah, so that's a great question because the answer is 
the short answer is yes. So there is a wage gap experience by all women across the country, but there are some states where the wage gap is larger than others. So like a state like Vermont, there's still a wage gap there, but it is a little closer. I think women are earning 91 cents for every dollar that a man earns. But in a state like Mississippi, women are earning 77 cents for every dollar that a man earns. So that's under the national average. Um, or the 83 cents that we observe on um, the National Equal Pay Day. And then that gap gets even smaller, or sorry, that gap gets even larger for women of color within those states. And they fall way below not just the average that we observe on actual Equal Pay Day, but for the the amount that we observe um, on that demographic. Mm. And looking at <sighs> it from like these companies' perspective or an employer's in, like perspective, what really is the benefits of creating like this wage gap? How how does it kind of happen, I think, internally in companies too? And like, is there any explanation of like the intent behind it? Yeah, I mean, I just don't think employers are really very interested in fixing this issue about addressing, you know, equal pay for women or equal pay for women of color or basically give, give women what they're owed because why is nobody forcing you, I guess, you know, like nobody's making you do it. So it's, our job to make sure that we are making people do the right thing, making people pay women what they're, what they deserve and what they're owed. And that's what our coalition and a lot of the organizations that are within our coalition work together to do and make sure that we're really advocating or for closing the gender wage gap. And I mean, what do you, what are you getting out of it by, you know, all you're doing is perpetuating by not yeah. paying with their right. and you're really just ultimately you're not even just hurting the women that are not being paid fairly. you're hurting their families and you're hurting their community if women were paid that amount and had that extra money think about what they would be doing in the economy and right. putting back into the economy and buying and it's just it's insane that that correlation <laughs> is not being made yeah totally totally and i i think it's like interesting to the point of you know the fact that there's nothing enforcing these companies are pushing these companies to do that or to, you know, sort of do the right thing. And I get from like their perspective, perhaps it's like signing their pockets. Like, why are they in their head? It's like, well, if no one's forcing you to do it, why am I giving out the extra cash that? Yeah. You know, and it's just crazy that I it's allowed. To... Like, and there's all these, especially when it comes to like hiring, there's a lot of laws in place that, you know, protect any discrimination or like prevent any discrimination from hiring practices. But when it comes to how you pay your employees, there's nothing really in place, right, to make sure that's equal. But I guess we can we can get into that of possibly some policies and laws that could fix this. But is there anything state or federal level that is working to address the wage gap right now? Yeah, so there are a number of policies that our coalition is particularly advocating for that would really help to end the wage gap. Things like the Paycheck Fairness Act. So the Paycheck Fairness Act would do four kind of like main things. It would increase pay transparency by making it illegal for employers to retaliate against workers actually discussing their pay with colleagues and having those conversations around like what they're getting paid, how much they're getting paid. It would make it illegal for employers to ask a job applicant uh, about their salary history, you know, what they currently make or what they used to make. And then this would really help to break the cycle of unfair pay because using prior pay to set new pay really just allows discrimination to follow women and women of color from job to job. So it would it would figure that out and kind of take care of that. It will require employers to prove that pay disparities exist for legitimate and job-related reasons. So like there is an actual, real, tangible reason why this man is getting paid more than this woman and we can, you know, provide some receipts for that. Right. Um, and then it would remove um, obstacles uh, for workers who want to join forces against um, discrimination in class action. 
One, love that. Two, I, of course, have another question. Yeah. Classic. Okay. (laughs) So, like, that feels like something that would especially work if you work for, like, a private company. If you work for, like, say you're a teacher, you're employed by, you know, your local town, county, et cetera. And I know, like, or so I remember, and keep in mind that it's a little fuzzy, I might not have all the details right, but I feel like I remember it would, like, be like they would cap, like, a teacher's salary. Like, everyone was sort of, like, paid the same in a particular school district. Not really quite sure what dictated that. But, like, would it force their hand in terms of changing their policies as well as terms of, like, where they were able to cap people? So I don't know how it relates to the cap. And that's a great question. Um, the only thing I could think of is that everybody would have to be at at that cap. So the teachers that I know, I, they, like, there's their base salary, but then they have, like, kind of like continuing education. So, like, every time they go up a stage or a step, I think they're steps. Every time they go up a step, they're, like, automatically put into a new, into a new bracket. So in terms of, like, how that would impact the cap, I don't know, like, it would actually impact that bracket. But it would ensure that everybody that is in that bracket with those same qualifications will be getting the same, regardless of whether they're a man or a woman. Got it. Got it. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Clarification. No, no, these are great questions. And then kind of on the uh, like state local level, we're also pushing legislation around like implementing pay data collection laws that make it illegal for job candidates again to provide what they used to make or what they previously made. And then also legislation that requires employers to put salary ranges in like job posting like that. So you can actually see in the posting. So being more transparent about the pay that somebody getting that position. Totally. That's huge because it's like one that you won't waste your time applying to something that's not paying you. And also like it's squaring the table up a little bit where you're not shooting in the dark, sending a range. Like I can think about the amount of times that I just like set a number and totally screwed myself, shot myself in the foot because it was I was under under serving it. So exactly. Okay. well, I love this in terms of like the advocacy that we can do to, you know, make this happen what what does that look like how can people get involved how can people make sure this is top of mind for their reps at state and federal level yeah we just need to make sure we're doing things like you guys are doing and putting these issues out in the public for people to be hearing about and talking about and amplifying this message working with organizations like equal rights advocates on like advocacy days and um on our equal pay days and really being a voice that helps to amplify the the work of the organizations that are, uh, you know, kind of doing the policy reform pieces. And then also talk to your legislators. If you know that your members of Congress are not doing something that they should be doing, call them. They work for you. So call them. And then if you don't like it, that's why we have elections. So you can always recruit somebody else (laughs) that is doing the right thing. So yeah, just being vocal, but also in encouraging and kind of imploring and holding your electeds to the feet to the fire on being really vocal about fixing this. Love. I have another question. God damn it. Samantha Lee. Do you guys have by any shot? And I just don't remember from being on the website. Do you guys have like one of those forms that you that goes like directly to your representative? We do. So we have like an action, we have action campaigns and they change as actions change, which is fantastic. And we can make them for states. We make them for federal work. So yeah, constantly check and it just, it takes care of it for you. It's 
so easy. It's easy advocacy at everybody's fingertips. So we can connect you to your legislator, write a letter, have an email sent to your legislator that's already set just with your name on it. And yep, you get it on the ground level of advocacy with that. Obsessed. I We love a good action. I even love a good email to your rep. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Especially from our millennial Gen Z crew that is scared to make phone calls. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no uh, one's calls anymore. <laughs> yeah, nobody calls anymore. But amazing. Thank you for running us through all this. Before we wrap up, can you let everyone know where they can find the email template, you guys, ERA Social, you, where, where can everybody find you guys? Yeah, so we are at equalrights.org. You can go there. All of the information is on our website. And um, you can go to equalpaytoday.org to find all of the information on Equal Pay Days and get involved that way. Amazing. Well, everyone go do that. Thank you very much, humans of the world. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We can't wait to have you back because it's going to be a continued conversation. This issue has so many avenues to take. So part one, here we are. But again, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. Thank you for having me. Always so much fun being with you guys. Top stories of the week. This is primary happy because mm. we are in primary season. So let's get primary into it. Primary um, season. I thought you were saying, like, was that like to the tune of like, I'm every woman? Because that's I what, what I was that hearing. Is. I can't with you. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of primaries, let's just really quick for last week's we actually did run through a lot of the outcomes madison cawthorn included on tiktok so go check those out yeah toodles to madison cawthorn he got literally booted in primary which is like just incredible but speaking of last week there is like one story that's still continuing because the senate race in pennsylvania is still like up in the air there's now lawsuits it's just getting messy for sure the gop senate race in pennsylvania so the national and state republican parties are taking the same side as celebrity heart surgeon dr oz who is running for a senate in pennsylvania and they are neck and neck in the gop primary contest for u.s senate and opposing a lawsuit that could help former hedge fund ceo david mccormick close the gap in votes so mccormick's lawsuit was filed late Monday, less than 24 hours before t- Tuesday's deadline for the counties to report their unofficial results to the state. And in it, McCormick asked the state Commonwealth Court to require counties to obey a brand new federal appeals court decision and promptly count mail-in ballots that lack a required handwritten date on the return envelope. So just so messy. Oz, who is endorsed by Trump, has pressed counties not to count the ballots and the Republican National Committee has in state GOP said they would go to court to oppose McCormick. In a statement, the RNC's chief counsel, Matt Raymer, said election laws are meant to be followed and changing the rules when ballots are already being counted harms the integrity of our elections. And so basically the race is close enough to trigger Pennsylvania's automatic recount law. And with the separation between the candidates inside the laws 0.5 percent margin um, and the associated Wee. press will not declare a winner in the race until likely the recount is complete which could take until june 8th so whew, um yeah that race is still undecided and again messy and lawsuits and that's the update there but we will see what happens it's interesting a lot of these like really the theme across primaries in general is like Will the Trump candidate win the GOP primary? That's like what everyone's looking at at every single 
race, I feel like, across the country. So that's another one of those. But messy GOP, Senate, Pennsylvania race. There it is. Messy, messy, messy. All I know, well, not all I know, but just like added commentary is apparently one of my like great uncles who is now RIP had like heart surgery via Dr. Oz. Shut up, really? Like he was his surgeon. Wait, yeah. I didn't know he was like really an actual <laughs> doctor. Either did I. And then I like my dad was talking about it the other day because like what? Yeah. Wait, was it like, he? Li- was he also the Fox News's like COVID doctor, or what did I dream that? I thought that was Doctor Phil, but I could be really no, wrong about that. But there's again, it's primary season. There's more this week aka when you guys are listening it'll be yesterday when all these are happening but here are some things to look out for in these races this week alabama texas georgia minnesota etc so that sounds like it's a song like one of those ones you learn at like a campfire alabama texas georgia okay anyways in alabama three republicans are in a tight race for the nomination to replace retiring u.s senator richard shelby And this particular race is actually, like, really interesting in terms of what Maddie was saying earlier of there being a Trump nominated or not Trump nominated, Trump supported candidate. And he had previously endorsed Mo Brooks and had pulled that endorsement. So I think that'll be kind of, like, interesting to see, like, where that lands. And Mo Brooks apparently, like, when the endorsement was, like, pulled, kind of started, like, lacking, not lacking popularity, but his, like, polling numbers were going down. And now, right now, they're 15 points above where they were. So he's, like, actually back in the, back yeah. in the race. Like, you back as a contender. what's crazy to think about is just that, like, Trump is, like, working. Like, he is working right now. These He's working behind the scenes. And he has his name and his eyes on literally every single race in this country, in these primaries. Yeah. Like, he has endorsed maybe like a candidate in every single race possibly in any in any state and it's just like crazy to think how he is hard at work behind the scenes and it's just it can't be forgotten it can't be slept on so just yeah that's the theme I of mean, this year what an interesting thing well also in arkansas speaking of these sort of trump connections and whatever there is former White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders, oy vey, and she is a frontrunner for the Republican nomination for governor there. So that's another – what? And Jesus is – I forgot about her. I didn't even know that she was running for governor there, but and I forgot about her. But, wow, that's that's an interesting factoid. Factoid for the road, for sure. Oh, Arkansas. Well, Arkansas also has had, like, some Democratic governor. I mean, Bill Clinton. They've yeah, actually had quite a day. few – Back in the day. But even even as of recent, like, they've had a handful of Democrat uh, governors. So it's not it's impossible so there. Yeah, really it's isn't. So interesting. I mean, honestly. Kansas, too, like, another one that, like, often gets sort of, like, looked at as, like, oh, my gosh, such a red Pure state. Red. And it's not – I'm not saying it's not in a lot of ways, but, like, their governor's a Democrat. Yeah, it's so weird. It's so weird yeah. how that happens in some of these states. But nonetheless, Texas. Nonetheless. So Texas, if anyone has heard me just rant about the fact that their primary was back in February and just catching everybody off guard and how annoyed I was by it, they're actually now having runoffs for some of those elections. And two runoffs are drawing outsized attention because Attorney General Ken Paxson is trying to hold off land commissioner George P. Bush, while Rep. Henry Kuehler is trying to fend off his progressive challenger in a rematch from 2020. So within like this like Texas 
scenario, this particular House race, this rematch between like a quote unquote moderate Democrat and progressive is super interesting right now because one, I mean, it's interesting always, but particularly right now, because first of all, the FBI literally like went and investigated his little house, aka the moderate, aka cooler. Secondly, he is pro force birth, aka is the only dem in the house that voted yeah. against the women's health protection tea. act oh i have some Oops. tea because nancy pelosi endorsed henry keeler moderate mm. democrat anti-choice and texas who is again going against jessica sinceros progressive candidate and when i went to nancy pelosi's the protests at her house go look on tiktok for for that but i walked up you know, the mountain that is, I'm, I live like five blocks from Nancy Pelosi, but she lives literally up Mount Everest in San Francisco. So like I hiked up there and there was a little protest happening outside of her house. And that was something they talked about was how, you know, she needs to be way better on protecting reproductive rights and standing up for them and being like, no bullshit on this. And meanwhile, she is endorsing a moderate Texas Democrat who is, like you said, anti-abortion. So, yeah, just just some tea, and they were calling her out at that for, for that specifically for that at the protest, yeah. But I do think this one is a hard pill to swallow because their 2020 race was so close, and there's a lot of possibility here for Jessica to win, yeah. and she's a great candidate, in my opinion. It's not an endorsement, just what I think of, like, what I've seen of her thus far. And, you know... I. In a, in a spot where it's pos- it feels possible for a progressive to win, it's, like, kind of like, what the fuck, Nancy? And some oh, of the, the – it's like so the House Democrats the as a whole. It's not just her, you That's know? That's just the tip of the iceberg, too, of how, you know, yeah, establishment Democrats have not only not done enough for reproductive rights, but they are behind the scenes doing things that are actually threatening reproductive rights. Like, yeah. Schumer and Schumer included and senators included. And so there's a lot to unpack there. But this is an an example for sure, because we have this 20 year moderate Democrat incumbent. And now we have Jessica Cisneros, who is 28 year old immigration attorney, abortion rights supporter. And it's just like our message of like, let's get some young blood into office. And especially one during this time who is going to fight for the things that we need during this scary time. And we don't need more just like shitty do nothing fucking 20 year incumbents in there so fucking okay i have i have a question for you yeah if you were deciding like on term limits how many for like and i feel like this could be different depending on position but for congress what would be or like house races what would be your term limit ideal i would say like 10 to 15 honestly and only because I would say mo- closer to 10, but like I I don't think it needs to be like four or six. Like that's kind of short. And I think like in order to really have impact, like you do need time in there. And I think it like even just goes beyond term limits. Like I think there's a lot of campaign reform that really is one of the biggest problems that like contributes to just these, you know, corporate funded representatives that like just continue to be in there so i think it like needs to be yeah around like 10 i would say yeah no i totally hear you on that i think 
yeah, it definitely takes some amount of time to mm-hmm. understand how things work and get sort of, you know, a voice in the chamber. But there's also like a point where it's like, okay, guys, guys, I feel like mine would be 10. Yeah. Yeah. I think ah, that's tricky. I'm going to stick with 10 for now, but I could be convinced. Of I could honestly sure. be convinced for more if we had like, like really good campaign finance laws and, you know, an informed electorate and, you know, electorate who turns out to well, vote. Also and- too, even inside the house, like how we were, we covered, what was it? It feels like a month ago, I think, talking about committees and like how that works and seniority and yeah. what that means for, you know, senators and um, Congress people as well. So I think those changes also need to happen there as well to enable to be sort of beneficial to, you know, be elected once or twice and then be like, okay, on to the next thing. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, if the whole thing is, like, you can only be effective if you run a certain – or elected a certain amount of times and then, like, have to, you know, to gain enough seniority to be a certain position on a committee to therefore have any impact, I mean, that's problematic too. So it's like mm-hmm. – I feel like there's so many angles that this needs. There's to just be so many things that would take in from, and so many things. You know, if people were able and had a better, even just like had better resources and ways to track like what their representatives really doing and how they are like representing them, I think that would go so far and like being like, okay, like dude, you didn't even show up to vote half of these times. You're gone. Like I wish like there was more totally. of that. And I think that would make a huge difference. But like. Term limits is also definitely something to consider. But tangent aside, our opinions aside, that was Texas. Moving into Georgia, which is like all eyes on Georgia. Again, once again. I was about uh, to say, is it the apple of your eye? But then it's like, no, it's like a peach. But it's like, you can't really have a peach eye. of your eye. Well, we're changing it to peach of our eye because, <laughs> yeah, Georgia is taking center stage this week for sure. And Governor Brian Kemp and Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger tried to fight back challengers endorsed by Trump. So again, this like GOP battle of Trump endorsed versus not. And Trump is really like seeking revenge in Georgia this year after 2020 and how he got defeated and thinks it was all fraud, but whatever. He, he was wrong. So Donald Trump hoped to avoid a stingy defeat in the Georgia governor's race on Tuesday as Republican primary voters decided the fate of former president's handpicked candidate to lead one of the most competitive political battlegrounds in the U.S. Like we said, like Georgia really is, I think, the um, epicenter of Trump's like 2020 resentment and bitterness and so that's why you know a lot of his eyes are here he's working behind the scenes hard in georgia and so after incumbent brian kemp refused to accept trump's baseless claims of widespread voter fraud in georgia the former president sought retribution by personally recruiting former republicans senator david purdue to mount a primary challenge but kemp emerged as a powerful fundraiser who tapped into the benefits of incumbency I mean, there, again, is this governor's race that everyone's watching. On the other hand, too, we got Stacey Abrams. So just that's that on that. Love, period. Love, love. But also voter restrictions because in, was it, yeah, was it last year? 2021 is when they passed super restrictive voting bill in Georgia. And so now, like, a lot of voters are now kind of feeling that and seeing that and experiencing that. So that's also something especially I think Democrats um, are watching because it's really the biggest test yet of new voting restrictions enacted by Republicans in one of the nation's most important battleground states as voters hotly contested primary races for governor and U.S. Senate. So 
They added restrictions as a reminder to mail voting, limited drop boxes, and changed rules that could make it harder for voters to run into problems on election day to have their ballots counted. We've ranted about it many, many a times on this show, but that bill, and it's just now we're in election season and seeing it come through. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what the results of that are as well. Amen. And speaking of Georgia, we do have a race oh boy. that we have talked about before. We have. And, well, I'll get to Brian's commentary on it. I love Brian just gets mentioned every episode. It's fine. Well, I mean, obviously. Of course. Obviously. Please. But anyways, talking from more of just a non-opinion standpoint, uh, good old rep Marjorie Taylor Green MTG. Honestly, that is kind of fun. I'll say that. But anyways, she is really sort of testing the waters here because she's got some interesting contenders coming up on the Dem side. We even interviewed one of them. So go back and find that episode. Go check it out. But anyways, we've we've got this race. Eyes are on this race. And what is definitely scary besides a Republican majority for us, that's our opinion, but mm-hmm. for us, you know, should the Republicans, you know, take back the House in November is things like this, aka things that have come out of Kevin McCarthy's mouth. And that is that this majority comes back that Marjorie Taylor Greene will not only just get her committee assignments back, she'll get a little promotion. She'll get some more opportunities. And that is not something we like to see. Interesting. Interesting. It's interesting. Hard. But yeah. last kind of like thing to watch in this primary is Minnesota. Um, Brad Finstad, a former state lawmaker and USDA official. <laughs> Sorry. Um has secured much of the party establishment support, um, Americans for Prosperity, an organization established by billionaire in- industrialists. So how do you say that? Industrialists. I was like, what? No, I've never said that word in my life. Industrialists. Uh, the Koch brothers and the Republican group, American Dream Federal Action Up, collectively spent $1.4 million in ads supporting him, which is like that much money on one candidate in a fucking midterm election is crazy. That's crazy insane. money. It's insane. Um, and state rep Jeremy Munson, meanwhile, is running an outsider who is 100% pro-life, 100% pro-gun, 100% conservative. That is campaign slogan of the century. Just um, also the Mun- irony of like pro-life being next to pro-gun. Like how <laughs> just it's like. <laughs> no, wow. Actually, so true. Like just seeing them next to each other is the hypocrisy. Mm. Just mm-hmm. is the just hypocrisy for play. me. Yeah, it's a hypocrisy for me. Um, Munson, who proposed legislation to let Minnesota counties secede and join border states, has the backing of the hard right House Freedom Caucus. And then former um, Hormel CEO Jeff Edinger, Edinger, whatever, is seeking the Democratic nomination for the solid Republican district. So Interesting. That is a really that is this week's primaries. It's a big week. I think this is a lot of information, but it is a big primary week for sure. Lots to watch. Last story, just real quick. We haven't talked about this Mm. much, um, which is just like this whole inflation beast. Um, Super confusing. And we definitely are working on like getting someone to come on and really break all this down for us because I definitely need it. Um, And I think a lot of people probably do, too. And now there's talks of recession and all of this. So um, that's kind of what this story is about. But just definitely heads up. If you guys do have questions about all this, send them in because we are going to work on getting somebody on the show who can explain all of this um, economic stuff because Lord knows it is not my forte whatsoever. (laughs) But basically, um, Federal 
Federal Reserve Chair Jeremy Powell, fresh off winning a Senate confirmation for his second term earlier, um, acknowledged for the first time Thursday that high inflation and economic weakness overseas could thwart his efforts uh, to avoid causing a recession. Again, I think a lot of like experts are now starting to like acknowledge like, okay, I think the recession might be coming. So there's just that in the air lingering. Um, but for weeks, Powell has portrayed the Fed's drive to raise interest rates as consistent with a so-called soft landing for the economy. Do I know what that means? No, but will we figure it out when we have some, an expert on? Absolutely. Um, and so under that scenario, the Fed would manage to tighten bur- um, borrowing costs enough to cool the economy and curb inflation without going so far as to tip the economy into recession. So we'll just leave that one there. But again, just wanted to um, put that out there if you guys have questions about all of this inflation, gas prices, economy, everything, to DM us, comment on YouTube. Um, email us at info at girlinthegup.com and we'll be having an expert on so there's that on that but that is our episode those are our top stories and just a reminder um it is my birthday so um if everyone could go tell five friends imagine you guys if everyone listening to this podcast told five friends about a it's an election year and b here's a good resource to learn about politics so you can go vote this year imagine the impact so you can all tell five friends, send the links. That would be amazing. And also, if everyone can just go subscribe on YouTube, even if you don't plan to watch the YouTubes, it just would really help us, um, again, continue to reach more and more people. So there's that on that. Also, share um, our content. Share our social media. Rate, review, subscribe. And Samantha, take it away. Uh, naturally. Naturally, I have one more comment. At least one more. Naturally. <laughs> you know, I can't help it. But... If you want to know a little bit more about the girl in the guff story, how we met, where, you know, we've taken girl in the guff so far, where we plan to take it, all that, all the good stuff, go check out our interview with our friend Aaron. We are on the No Picks After Dark podcast, which is like literally the best podcast focused around all things Baltimore and Maryland. Like Mm -hmm. he just has like such a good pulse on everything going on there. It's epic. He's so much fun. We love him. Our so conversation was a blast and a half. L- literally. Man, I'm uh, mayor. He's basically the mayor. Honestly, I Where feel like he would, is? like, no. love that. I <laughs> no, could, I like, totally yeah. do that. But nonetheless, without Linked. us creating a campaign, we're linking it here. It's on YouTube. It's, like, available on Spotify. Pick your poison. Anyways, but yeah, so go we'll check it out. that in our episode description as well. Tons of links for you guys to check out today. Link, um, link, link. Link, link, link. And go get your Wink Wines. Four Link bottles for twenty ninety five. Summer water, delicious rosé. It's summertime, so go get yours. And join our brand ambassador program. You can go check it out at girlinthegup.com. And that is it. We'll let you go. Have a wonderful week. And we'll be talking to you all next Wednesday. Toodles. Toodles. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.